And Goldman Sachs analysts have projected that the price of copper will rise to $15,000 per metric ton by 2025. And Joining us for a conversation is Andrew Heck, a world-renowned commodities trader and analyst with over 40 years of experience. Mr. Heck, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you, Maurice. A pleasure to be back with you again. <laughs> well, it's a pleasure to catch up with you to discuss one of my favorite metals that offers speculators a windfall potential of upside in their portfolio, and I'm speaking of copper. Mr. Heck, before we delve into specifics, for someone new to the conversation, why is copper important in a civilized world? Well, copper, you know, for, for, for many years has gone by the nickname Dr. Copper, and it's because it, uh, its price action tends to diagnose whether we're in an economic expansion or an economic contraction. But copper, you know, and that's because it's a building block. It's a, it's a metal that's a building block used in construction and pipes and in various uh, uh, infrastructure projects and homes and, and the like. But copper has taken on new meaning uh, over the past years as it is a critical component in um, addressing climate change in uh, EVs, electric vehicles, and wind turbines. You know, th this is increasing the demand side of copper's equation dramatically. And uh, so copper is taking on a, a new role in, in, in the industrial world. Well, let's look at some numbers. Looking back at 2021, how did copper perform? Well, copper closed 2020 around $3.52 per pound. That's on the COMEX. Uh, that's the futures contract. Um, it rallied to a high, uh, a new all-time high of nearly uh, just under the $4.90 per pound level in May. And it is currently trading just over $4.40, kind of in the middle of the uh, annual trading range, uh, but still close to the all-time highs as of uh, the end of December. So uh, very bullish price action in 2021. Well, speaking of that bullish price action, what is your outlook for 2022 on copper? Well, I think more of the same, Maurice. Um, you know, listen, Goldman Sachs analysts have projected that the price of copper will rise to $15,000 per metric ton by 2025. And that would put the COMEX futures price over $6.80 a pound, um, appreciably higher than the current uh, price level. In the next year, uh, I think we see more of the same higher highs and higher lows in copper. Um, the trend is always your best friend, but uh, the fundamentals, uh, the supply and demand fundamentals really um, agree with the price chain, the technical price trend, which always makes for the strongest case for uh, the path of least resistance of prices. Speaking of supply and demand fundamentals, do you see any opportunities for speculators? I do. Um, I think you buy dips in the copper market. Um, I think that, you know, listen, bull markets rarely move in a straight line, Maurice. There are always corrections and those corrections can be brutal. Look, in, in May, we got up to almost nearly 490 a pound. In August, we were down probing for one day below $4. So bull market corrections can be absolutely brutal, but they're buying opportunities in, in good bull markets like in copper. I see the problem with copper on the fundamental side is that supplies are going to really struggle to keep up with demand because of addressing climate change. There is a lot of, of uh, demand on the horizon 
And it's very difficult. The current um, situation doesn't allow for supplies to keep up. You know, it takes eight to 10 years to bring a new copper mining project online. And there just aren't too many uh, right now in the world that are going to uh, satisfy the, the rising demand. You know, speaking of that demand, the one feature or opportunity that really captures my attention is that we're going to consume more copper in the next 25 years than all of recorded history combined. That in and of itself says a lot about the value proposition of copper by itself, in my opinion. It does. But, you know, also, listen, I'm I'm 62 years old. I was born in 1959. In 1959, there were under 3 billion people on this planet. Today, there are 7.8 billion people on this planet consuming raw materials and who need shelter, who need energy, you know, and, and you know, this goes for copper and all commodities. The demand side of the, um, the, the fundamental equation is always growing and supplies have to keep up with that. Uh, population grows despite the pandemic and the tragic loss of life. Population continues to grow by about 20 million people per quarter. That's 80 million per year. At the turn of this century, there were 6 billion people on this planet. Today, there's 7.8 billion, over 7.8 billion. All right. We know where copper is used. We understand now the supply and demand fundamentals. Let's talk to the individual speculator. If one were to construct a copper portfolio, should their first consideration be jurisdiction or tonnage? Yeah, jurisdiction is key, man. It's, it's so important. Look, you know... <laughs> Like in real estate, location, 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 it's the same when it comes to production of all commodities and copper is no um, um, exception to that. Uh, copper mainly comes from Chile. That, they're the biggest uh, producer at the Escondida mine, um, you know, that a lot of the large mining companies have interest in. But, you know, interestingly enough, that jurisdiction could become problematic this year. In a recent election, the president, the new president, who's a 35-year-old millennium, millennial, is also a socialist. And that brings up the potential for nationalizing mines and, and um, uh, new regulations and all kinds of things that can affect supplies. Um, also, the pandemic weighs on supplies. You know, companies like BS, BHP are scouring the world for new copper supplies, and they're even looking in places like the Democratic Republic of Congo, which is a very difficult uh, political mining jurisdiction. Um, the, the most the friendliest jurisdiction really is the United States of America, where, you know, although there's more uh, regulations addressing climate change today, it's still uh, the most uh, business friendly environment to um, to mine copper. And, and Nevada, my home state, um, is uh, is 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 one of the best places. I think the Fraser Institute rated Nevada as the number one mining region in the world. And rightfully so. And, and going back to Chile, there are a number of quality names there of copper producers, and we hope that the situation there doesn't turn for the worse based on the geopolitical concerns there. But as you referenced, one of the best, if not the best mining jurisdiction in the world is Nevada. And a company that uh, you and I both are shareholders in is Nevada Copper. For someone looking for the right blend of jurisdiction, project, and team, they seem to fit the bill. How does Nevada Copper fit into the narrative? And would you please introduce us to their flagship Pumpkin Hollow project and the unique opportunity they present to shareholders? 
Yeah, sure. Listen, you know, Nevada Cop is an interesting, they're an exploration company. And, you know, <laughs> exploration companies, they have tremendous potential, but risk is always a function of potential rewards. So exploration companies tend to do much better than um, uh, established miners, the BHPs and Freeports and Glencores and Rio Tintos during bull markets. And they tend to do much worse during bear market situations. And of course, there's always the risk, you know, of, um, of production that, that comes into play. But Nevada copper is really interesting to me because of A, we discussed it, the jurisdiction, you know, Pumpkin Hollow is up in, in uh, the Reno area, that general area. And um, they're on track to advance over 1,100 lateral equivalent feet of development. Uh, that, was, that was this month. The development is running at the highest rate for 2021, with December nearly 50% higher than November and almost 100% higher than the level in August 2021. They purchased new equipment, which should further enhance development and growth. Um, they're, they're installing ventilation fan infrastructure into their underground mine, and that should be completed in Q1 2022. And mining of the Sugar Cube, that's the first high-grade area in the east-north zone of the underground mine, is on schedule for Q1 2022. So this is all really good news for the company. Um, but, you know, the stock remains pretty cheap. It does. It's a great buying opportunity. And another unique attribute that the Pumpkin Hollow presents is that it offers an open pit and an underground mine. That is unique in and of itself in a great jurisdiction. Uh, I think it's a, a buy opportunity myself. And again, we're not providing... Absolutely. I mean, the stock is trading at 52 cents today. Um, <laughs> that's American. And it's the net present value is below the, the kind of uh, the, 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 the value of the company here. You know, the company's going to be cash flow positive in 2022 and the open pit mining that you mentioned is going to accelerate in 2022 and with copper in a bull market i mean you know listen it doesn't get much better uh, uh for copper producers and and here is a company that i believe is you know could either be a, a, an important player, an important producer in its own right, or a takeover candidate by the big you know eight hundred pound gorilla BHP Rio Tinto <laughs> Glencore type companies who are starving for more production. Now there's two strategic investors that are coming on board with Nevada Copper. How do they fit into the narrative, and how does this impact the value proposition? Yeah, well, listen, Solway Investment Group is a private international mining and metals group that's headquartered out of Switzerland. They specialize in nickel production and they have mines and smelting plant investments in Guatemala, Ukraine, Russia, Indonesia and Macedonia. The group has over 5000 employees and it's expanding its focus in battery metals. And it recently invested 30 million bucks uh, for a 10 percent stake in Nevada Copper. And they're a company in the know. Now, Mercuria, the second investor, Mercuria, any, Mercuria Energy Group, is a multinational commodity trading uh, company active in global energy metals and agricultural markets. They're close to my heart. You know, I worked for 20 years for Solomon Fibro and Solomon, uh, and I was very active there running many businesses, and I also ran their copper trading business for a while. 
The company Mercuria dates back to 2004 when two ex-colleagues of mine, Marco Denard and Danielle Yegi, departed Fibro uh, when it was sold, when Citibank sold it to Occidental Petroleum, and uh, they started Mercuria. So these are guys who really know the commodities business, and you know, as one of the leading trading and growing companies in this sector, Mercuria's goal is 50% portfolio in renewable energy over the coming five years. They too have invested $30 million for a 10% stake in Nevada Copper. Now, these two companies in the know are putting their money where their mouth is, and that's a very good sign. I mean, they listen, they don't put up their 30 million bucks each without doing lots of due diligence, Maurice. <laughs> well, and speaking of good signs, I just take a look here. Uh, Randy Buffington, he's the CEO of Nevada Copper. He just purchased 200,000 shares in December. What does this also signal to the market? Well, it signals that the, the, the CEO believes in the company, and there's nothing better than that. Look, just on the other hand, Elon Musk sold uh, Tesla shares this year. I mean, listen, he sold them to pay taxes. But when a CEO or a founder or someone like that sells shares, it tends to bring the stock price down. Um, you know, Tesla stock dropped 25% from its high. It's still very expensive stock, no doubt. But when a CEO and directors are buying shares, it shows that they really believe in their own company. And that's another positive sign along with the uh, Solaway and uh, Mercuria investments. Well, you're right on cue here. You know, when you when you go to visit the Pumpkin Hollow in Yearington, Nevada, you fly into Reno. And uh, would you mind sharing, is there a, a building there that you pass en route to uh, <laughs> to, to Yearington Tesla? <laughs> they're oh, right yeah. there. <laughs> they're making battery metals. And by the way, they buy a lot of copper and nickel and all the battery metals. And the bottom line is that that business is expanding. Look, 1% of U.S. cars now are EVs, about 1%, okay? As that percentage grows, the demand for copper is going up. Wind turbines require a lot of copper. U.S. infrastructure building, uh, the package that's going through, the trillions of dollars we're going to spend that's going to require copper. And China is requiring copper. You know, in, in November, China was a huge importer uh, of copper, uh, even after they auctioned copper off back from July through October. So the global demand for this metal is growing. It takes eight to 10 years to bring new production online. The demand side is outstripping the supply side and big copper producing companies are looking for new sources of metal. And Nevada Copper is perfectly positioned in one of the best locations in the world uh, it, you know, the Fraser Institute rates it number one, uh, Nevada. And um, the bottom line is, listen, you know, risk is a function of reward. But at 52 cents a share or something like that, it's a very inexpensive stock that offers a tremendous potential for rewards. Well, if, if you don't mind, uh, Mr. Shack, you mind handing me my wallet back because you've just sold me. <laughs> I love the value proposition of Vata Copper. And, and for the record, yes, I do plan to add to my position in the very near future. Now, switching gears, Mr. Heck, we covered copper and the unique value proposition that Nevada Copper presents to shareholders. Before we close, what keeps you up at night that we don't know about? Oh, there's so much. I mean, you know, it's funny. Weed is one of the most, uh, just, just to go away from copper for a minute, Wheat is one of the most important uh, political commodities. You know, if you ask 
nine out of 10 people say, well, what's the most political commodity in the world? They would say crude oil. Because of course, the Middle East has a very tumultuous past, um, very political region, and crude oil prices go up and down because of that. But if you look back through history, Maurice, it's wheat that has toppled more governments. Look, uh, Marie Antoinette lost her head when she told of citizens of France, let them eat cake when there was a bread shortage. The Arab Spring in uh, 2010 began because of a series of wheat um, riots in Tunisia, and in Egypt. And as we head into 2022, wheat is at the highest price in years. And the tensions between the US and Russia around Ukraine, you know, Russia is the largest wheat producing nation uh, and exporter in the world and Ukraine is with them. And um, we have the potential for real, uh, much higher wheat problems if things get out of control in that region. And that has tremendous um, ramifications for world peace. And that's, that's really what's, what's kind of worrying me as we head into 2022. So keep an eye on that wheat price because it's kind of a barometer for what's going on over there between on the, the Ukraine border. That's definitely something to take a look at uh, and, and keep an eye on. Last question for you here. What did I forget to ask? What did you forget to ask? Well, you forgot to ask if I had a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, and I hope you did too. And, um, you know, I dressed up as Santa Claus for my little granddaughter this year, which was very exciting for the first time. And, uh, no, you, you covered you covered it all pretty much. And um, I look forward to talking to you in the new year, and I wish you a happy, healthy, and prosperous uh, 2022. Listen, the world is a tumultuous place. It always has been. It always will be. There'll always be issues. But, you know, our health uh, and our happiness is the most important thing. And as we go into this uh, new year, we have to go in with an optimistic spirit. Couldn't have said it better. Mr. Heck, for someone that wants to learn more about your work, please share the contact details. Oh, okay. Um, I, I write for a, a number of websites on a daily basis. I write for Bar Chart. I write for investment.com, investing.com. I write for Seeking Alpha. I'm a partner in Bubba Trading. So you can read all my things there. I write prolifically on all of these uh, um, commodities, uh, copper uh, included. So please follow me and uh, let me know, you know what you think. And we're proud to share your work also on provenandprobable.com. Mr. Heck, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Wishing you the absolute best, sir. Thank you, sir. The information presented on Proven and Probable is provided for educational and informational purposes only, without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy, completeness, or fitness for any particular purpose. The information is not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice, or any other advice. You should not make any financial, investment, or trading decision based on any of the information presented without first undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional broker or competent financial advisor.